Welcome, college football junkies, to our first full episode. So I'm your host, Scott Cobio, and, you know, I want to give a little explanation real quick. So we've had some technical difficulties. Uh, you know, I told you that we would come out with an episode on Sunday, and that just didn't happen, unfortunately. Uh, we're having some issues with uh, the co-host as well. Anthony's unfortunately going to not be able to make it uh, right now at this time uh, with some prior obligations going on. But I'm working on a new co-host. Hopefully he'll join me this coming Sunday. Um, first of all, of course, I want to thank you so much for joining us. I know there's a lot of podcasts out there everywhere, of course, and you know I'm just glad that you've decided to join us here. So let's get right into it. So we have a lot to talk about, and I'm, I'm going to try to get through everything as quick as possible with uh, minor discussions here and there. We had an upset. We had some Madden-like scores, and of course, everybody knows about the showdown in Tuscaloosa. So the, the first of all, I want to get into the Minnesota and Penn State game. You know, first of all, how about those Golden Gophers? I was very impressed with their offense. QB Tanner Morgan, he went 18 of 20 for 339 yards and three touchdowns. He had some frequent targets. Um, you know, KJ Hamler and uh, Pat Fumerth were, were two of his biggest targets. They both had seven catches over 100 yards which was huge in their win. When you talk about Penn State coming in undefeated, and obviously we talked about Minnesota's Cinderella season, this, this really put that exclamation point, and I called it. I mean, I knew Minnesota would come in uh, with their boxing gloves on and be able to take out this powerhouse. And this just kind of shows, of course, you know, P.J. Fleck um, and, and, and what he's accomplished at Minnesota in the short amount of time that he's been there. So, I'm also impressed with their defense. Um, when you talk about how much pressure they were putting on, you know, Sean Clifford, I mean, not a lot of teams have done that to Penn State. I mean, he threw for 48 passes, and he only connected on 23 of those. Um, and I mean, you, if you want to say 26, actually, because uh, he, th- he had three picks. So Minnesota, of course, uh, snuck out that win uh, 31-26. to 26. So that was, that was amazing. Uh, and I can't wait to see what Minnesota's going to do. If you saw on the AP poll, which came out this week, that they moved up from 17 uh, to 7, which is, I, I don't think I've ever seen a team jump that much in the AP poll. And I, I'm really curious as to see what the playoff committee will do now because there are several undefeateds out there. And regardless of... As far as strength of schedule right now, only a couple of them they're going to keep. We know Clemson, you know, Dabo said it, ACC's weak, but they're going to keep them up there. But when you talk about, I mean, Clemson hasn't even played a, a caliber, a team caliber as far as Penn State goes. They've So I'm really interested to see what's going to happen, and you know, I really hope the playoff committee chooses wisely. Next, I want to get into the Iowa State and Oklahoma. Iowa State, I mean, Purdy, the QB, was putting up a clinic on that second half. Uh, He had less than two minutes left in the game, scrambling on a third and 13 to get first down. That was insane. And then he had the ball, um, and there was only 31 seconds left on the clock in the fourth quarter. He connects to make it that one-point game. My question is, they they didn't go for the field goal. They went for the two points. Now, I get it. You're you're not ranked, okay, in trying to beat Oklahoma. But – it's almost the same, really, honestly, the exact same thing that happened to Clemson when they played North Carolina. 
instead of kicking that field goal, going into overtime, giving your team a shot at winning, they just go for two and miss it. I'll never understand that, to be honest. And, you know, a lot of you are saying right now, well, Ohio State, what do they have to lose? Nothing. They don't have anything to lose. And they should have went ahead and kicked the field goal, tried to win in overtime instead of going for that two-point conversion. Yes, they were hot at that point. They were hitting every single target they threw to. The running game was getting, you know, moves. Why not kick that field goal? And then at least you get a chance. It's not like the NFL where first person scores uh, in the NFL and they win. You actually get a chance to play defense and you get a chance to play offense. It's a no-brainer for me. You have to kick that field goal. So let's go ahead and get into the big clash in Tuscaloosa, LSU and Bama. I called this one from the get-go. Best game of the season by far. I really feel like, you know, when we talk about the playoffs and what's going to happen, this LSU-Bama game was playoff potential from the get-go. And it turned into exactly what everybody thought it was going to be. Now, Tua's injury did play a huge role in his throwing decisions and his mobility. That fumble in the very beginning, I don't think had anything to do with his his injury because it was you know in in his arms and he was he had actually just moved from his left arm to his right arm and that's when it slipped out and it wasn't raining by no means so I feel like that was really just a freak accident I don't put any blame on his injury at all on that on that end but then Burrow goes three for three on the next series 95 yards for a touchdown instantaneously the crowd goes crazy I mean LSU they did what they had to do on this game, and that first series kind of showed you how the whole game would play out. So then Bama goes three and out. They mishandled the punt, and, you know, at that point, it, I really feel like it just changed, you know, the the whole feel of the game. I mean, they, it, they you could tell that Bama wasn't the same. Uh, anyways, they went, they got the ball back after, after then, and um, they thought they did anyways through an interception. Come to find out, penalty on the play, too many men on the field. They just couldn't catch a break at that point. I mean, Bama wasn't playing like Bama should have been. You could definitely see their defense wasn't going to be the same they were in this game. So, you know, LSU was playing uh, at the top of their game, and and they caught Bama on a a week that they weren't doing so good. So I want to quickly shout out Clyde Edwards-Herrera. He caught the ball... So many times he was Burroughs, probably number one target the entire game. And, you know, the spin move that he did on that touchdown move, you know, I'll be honest, as soon as he did that spin move and went to the end zone, the CBS commentator started talking and the camera went to the fans. You could just see the disappointment in their face. It, it, the offense is one thing with Bama. Tua can, I mean, he's good. There's no mistaking that. I mean, he is definitely a candidate for the Heisman. You know, I'm pretty sure Bama's, uh, Burrow's going to win. But the defense for Bama was not the same as previous years. And and I think that's going to take a, a couple of more years for them to rebuild that. Uh, you can kind of go back to the Clemson game as well if you want to kind of look at a, a couple of different instances where they were exposed. And they were exposed during this game too. I'm going to call it as well that Auburn's probably going to beat a- Alabama this year. Their defense is not that good. If they end up playing Georgia, and I don't know how that would happen, I can already see at this point that you know Georgia is going to play um, LSU in the SEC championship. But unless some, something happens and they let Bama in the playoffs, then I don't see 
that Bama, Bama's defense will be able to do anything this year. So as we know, you know, uh, LSU held on to the end. And, uh, of course, the two the two throw there at the end, the 83-yard touchdown, you know, that was amazing. Don't get me wrong. And it definitely helped them when you talk about poll rankings because the game, it wasn't as close as the score, you know, depicted. That's that's for sure. It was LSU. They weren't going to lose that game. So let's move on at this point. Um, you know, I want to also take notice at this point that, that Auburn – only lost to LSU by three points, okay? So, take note of this point, Georgia fans. Auburn is not that bad. They can still upset you this year. So, next week, this coming Saturday, we're going to see what kind of Georgia team it is this year. And I want to make a quick note real quick as well um, before we get into, you know, some of the Madden-like scores that... uh, Seems like we saw in the middle of November, which is something you never want to see. The CBS commentators during the LSU and Bama game, and I don't know if anybody else noticed this. I'd like to hear some feedback, maybe send me some messages, but they were completely biased. They were all over Alabama, and, and you know they were talking so much junk about LSU. They kept saying over and over again how – well, the one thing – I. LSU went for it on fourth down, okay? And um, they didn't get the ball off in time. They got a false start. Brad was so quick to say that they didn't get it off in time. I mean, he literally, it was almost like he was a fan, like we are, sitting there in front of the TV, waiting, like watching the play clock and just waiting for them not to get the ball off. I welcome you to go watch the game again and listen. But he literally, it was like three, two, one. And before it struck that zero, you could hear Brad saying, oh, they didn't get it off. They didn't get it off. Like, man, come on, dude. Really? You're supposed to call the game as well as you can without going for either team. But clearly, you're a Bama fan and you wanted them to win. So I think that, you know, CBS could do a little bit better on their commentators. Now, I know both of them have been doing... Uh, they're, you know, Brad and Gary have been doing commentating on CBS for a long time, and I'm sure they're not going to get rid of him anytime soon. But this just, I mean, you can ask a lot of fans, this just kind of concretes the fact that a lot of fans don't even listen to the TV commentators. They'll cut it off and cut on the radio to listen to the local commentators because they do a much better job. That's my vent for, for this podcast. All right, so let's get on to the Madden-like scores that happen Across college football, we're going to get through that pretty quick. Just want to notice those. Clemson, 55. NC State, 10. Unranked non-conference game in the middle of the season? I mean, we're almost to December, man. Clemson, y'all need to schedule some harder opponents because this is ridiculous. Cincinnati, 48. Connecticut, 3. Now, that's a different story on all accounts, but... Either way, 48 points. Florida, 56 to Vanderbilt, zero shutout. Now, Florida did just come off that uh, loss to Georgia, so they had something to prove. Either way, 56 points is kind of just telling the AP poll that, hey, I guess they're really just giving them the finger, if, so to speak. But uh, it did keep them in the top 10, which is, you know, what they wanted. Ohio State, 73, Maryland, 14. 
I mean, Ohio State continues to put up these big numbers, and we've seen it all year round. And that's one of the reasons why they're still in the top four. And I think that they will continue to be in the top four. And it's funny that some of the um, bowl predictions has LSU versus Ohio State. And I'm going to be honest with you right now. If that game happens, Ohio State will not know what to do with a defense like LSU's. They've never seen it all year. They've been literally walking on the field, throwing the ball to whoever they want, and they've just been running it in. So to have a defense and the schemes that they're going to you know, show uh, Justin Fields is stuff that he's, not, he's never seen before. And if he has seen it before, he won't be ready for. He's literally cruised through the entire season. So, And there's always one game, everybody has it, where the team doesn't show up as a whole. So I hope that Ohio State has that before they get to the end of the season. Because if they don't, then toward the end of the season, when it counts in those playoff times, that's going to show through. They have to be tested. And everybody says that every team needs to be tested before they make the playoffs, regardless of who you are. Uh, Clemson last year, they beat Alabama, but they did have that uh, game in the middle of the season that they barely won. And just like kind of like North Carolina this year, they were tested and they just didn't show up to play. So that's really what Ohio State needs if I feel like they need to uh, obviously win the national championship. Army this is the last one. Army 63, UMass 7. I don't think I've ever seen Army put up 63 points. Have you? All right, breaking news update. Now, some of this isn't breaking news because it did come out a couple of days ago, and since we've had some, you know, kind of technical difficulties here and there, um, it isn't new. But Arkansas fires its head coach, Chad Morris, after a 4-18 and start, triggers a $10 million buyout. They lost Saturday to Western Kentucky 45-19. to and, of course, with everything that's going on with FSU, Arkansas doing the same thing. It's kind of opening up the, the door at this point to coaches that they may be able to bring in um, at an earlier time rather than wait till the end of the season, which is a, a good idea. Don't get me wrong. I get where they're coming from. But Arkansas, and this is, I guess, one of the biggest things that I, you kind of take away from these things, um, is that when teams in the SEC, you know, big conference colleges, pay non-conference teams to come in and play them, they typically have to pay them. So for the the Western Kentucky game, um, they, of course, had to pay Western Kentucky to come play them. And, of course, they had to pay out $1.5 million to Western Kentucky, and then they also had to take the L. So that's one of the reasons why I think they most likely had to obviously fire the head coach at this point. Can't keep paying non-conference schools millions of dollars to come play them and then take the loss. The point is that you're supposed to pay these colleges so that they can continue to build their their you know college up, um, but then also get a win to help your team. So it's a it's a give and take type deal there. Another you know game they talked about was South Carolina. Uh, they paid. $900,000 to Appalachian State for that home game and then lost 20 to 15. That can't happen. And, you know, I don't care who you are, Will Muschamp or Kirby Smart or Coach O or Saban or whoever, big time coach, you cannot pay a school like that to come in and then get beat. I think South Carolina actually just kind of, be honest with you, got unlucky. 
Appalachian State's looking really good this year with only one loss. So to be honest, that is just kind of a ill timing, unfortunately. And I'm sure the game was scheduled with Appalachian State years ago, as they normally are. Uh, so, you know, Muschamp isn't to blame, but he is to blame when it comes to winning that game. So, you know, teams like FSU and Arkansas, you know, they're paying these non-conference, uh, you know, teams to come in. And I think it's their biggest reason why some of you're seeing some of these coaches get fired. FSU had it, you know, all this year. They were paying non-conferences uh, and unfortunately paid for it. I've heard some rumors. There's rumors everywhere and there's always swirling. But Gus Malzoon is one of the possible successors of, you know, for Arkansas. Uh, they were actually looking in to hire him before um, this this fire here or before the hire was. So, you know, with Chad Morris being fired, they may end up looking toward Gus Malzahn. We'll see, you know, what happens. Another uh, thing that I, I've, I've read recently is that uh, Pac-12 suspended a ref for a penalty on the wrong team. So Matt Richards is one of the, the officials for the Pac-10, and he called hands-to-the-face penalty on Washington State when it was actually a cow player that did it. So this actually changed the whole complexity of the game because the Cougars ended up taking a field goal after going 74 yards down the field. If they wouldn't have called that on the Cougars at that point, that's a because it would have went the other way. Instead of it being 15 yards one way, it would have went the other way completely different. And then at that point, Cougars may have been not only had more momentum at that point, but it's a possibility that they would have been able to score a touchdown instead of taking a field goal, which, of course, would have changed everything. So Ohio State's Chase Young, we know, um, has been suspended for four games. The appeal that goes through may end up changing that to two games. We don't know at this point what's going to happen. Obviously, um, some rumors are already swirling that Ohio State actually snitched on their own player. We don't know whether or not that's true, um, but... I think that with the college, you know, with the NCAA rules changing to where, you know, college players can make money, um, it's kind of an ill-timed, you know, suspension, to be honest, because you're now saying that, hey, you're more than welcome to go make money, but you can't borrow money from friends and family so that your girlfriend can come watch you play in the biggest game of your life, the Rose Bowl? That makes no sense at all. So... I'd like to hear some comments on this as well. We'll see whether or not uh, he gets the appeal. And then it's, you know, kind of struck down for two games. If it is, he could be back for that, uh, you know, big game at the end. We'll see whether or not um, the committee decides that he's allowed to, to like I say, take, take it for two games. Again, I, I really feel like when you, when you talk about rules and how players can't do this or can't do that, I get, believe me, I get right now where you just passed this rule. And this happened last year. It didn't happen this year. Um, but I understand what you mean about, hey, well, you know, you can't take money from, you know, coaches or, or, or people that are trying to recruit you and this and that and another. I get that 100%. Don't get me wrong. But he didn't actually take any money. Um, he borrowed it from a family friend. He did pay it back. But he only did that so that his girlfriend could come watch him play in the biggest game of his life. And I just don't see where that's wrong. You know, and you're kind of being petty. Um, as far as the NCAA goes, that's super, super petty. Um, so who knows? We'll see what happens. Another thing I wanted to point out, 
So after the LSU and Bama game, you know, I don't know if you're on Twitter. I had my my tweet deck up, but uh, everybody was calling for Saban's job. Okay, that is ridiculous. This guy's record is insane. Okay, it rivals Bear Bryant's. There's no reason to fire Saban. And honestly, what he's lost one game every season for the past three years. I think that's pretty accurate. So. He just needs to rebuild his defense. That's all it is. My Bama fans, y'all need to stop being so spoiled. I'm so tired of hearing that, oh, well, he's lost the game against Clemson, the national championship, the biggest game of his life. And then he loses again to the hugest, huge rival. Well, yeah, he did. I mean, you could tell the defense is in shambles at this point. No, Nobody's going to look at that game and be like, oh, the offense is terrible. The offense can't score. No, it's it's the defense. Um, and he re- he'll he'll we re- uh, excuse me he will rebuild it uh, so we'll wait and see you know what happens they're not going to fire Saban by no means so I wouldn't expect that anytime soon at all all right so let's move on real quick to um, the AP poll you know real quick note that they did put Bama at number four um, even after the loss to LSU which is not surprising when you talk about. Uh, strength of schedule and who they've played um, and who and how they lost. It wasn't to an unranked team. It was to a top four team. So there's no reason to knock them down, you know, anymore. I, I don't see the playoff committee doing any differently. Uh, you know, they always surprise us. So we'll see, you know, tonight whether or not they they leave Bama at four. I think that, well, I'm hoping anyways, that they'll put at least one of the undefeateds as uh, number four, we'll obviously see LSU at number one, Ohio State at two, Clemson at three, and I'm really hoping they put Oregon there um, because, you know, they've had a really good season as well, and I think that that'd be a good choice. A lot of people are calling for Georgia to be at four. I don't think they'll put Georgia at four because of the loss to South Carolina, uh, with it being an undefeated, not undefeated, excuse me, unranked team at home. Um, that's huge, and I I don't think the committee would. I don't. I honestly don't think Georgia fans. I don't think they'll put um, your team as number four until the SEC championship. If they're able to pull out a win there against LSU, that should guarantee their spot in the playoffs. So we'll see what happens um, after that that game. So next week's games, I'm going to make a few picks for Saturday, and we'll see what. Uh, what happens? I think right now, actually, I am actually on point four for four from last week. So, um, a couple of the big games we will pick here. First one's gonna be Georgia Auburn. Uh, Georgia Auburn. The game itself is at Auburn. Um, Georgia typically plays a lot better at Auburn year over year. So I think that they'll pull out the win. You know, I really feel like, you know, as mentioned earlier with LSU uh, only winning by three points to Auburn, uh, that, you know, might play a role in it. Auburn's also coming off a bye week as well. And with the previous win against Mizzou that Georgia had, I really feel like they're still going to need to find their their receivers. Cager still apparently is going to be able to play from what the news is saying and and. Uh, Kirby is saying, so we'll wait and see how healthy he is. And then, of course, Pickens as well on that end. He made some really good plays against Mizzou, so we'll see whether or not he's able to continue to make those plays. He's still young, redshirt freshman, so we'll see uh, if he can 
you know, grow a little bit in that role. Next one down is Wake Forest uh, and Clemson. Wake Forest is 22. Clemson, obviously, in the top four. Uh, Wake Forest actually lost really bad last week. And, uh, you know, Clemson out here making statement wins, putting up Madden points. I don't see Wake Forest being much of a challenge. Um, but it could be a lot like the North Carolina game. Wake Forest has some playmakers. Yeah, and I really feel like Clemson, you know, at this point with them being, you know, last week, playoff committee not putting them in the top four, they really went out this past Saturday to make a a statement win there uh, by putting up a huge amount of points. But this is a ranked Wake Forest now, um, and we'll see what Wake Forest can do. I'm hoping that it's a good game. I really hope it's not another blowout. We need some really good games, honestly, at this time of the year. All right, Minnesota and Iowa. Uh, Minnesota obviously coming off a huge win on Penn State. I mean, them being able to carry that momentum um, is going to be ideal. Yeah, I feel like Minnesota definitely can do that. We'll see, though, what Iowa can do. Iowa's had a really good season as well. And, you know, this is kind of – this is going to be their way of saying, you know what, Minnesota, you thought you were doing really good, but I'm going to go ahead and stop you there. You're not making it into the playoffs. So they – can definitely upset, you know, Minnesota and, you know, Iowa wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt them at all. Uh, obviously, they're not making it into the playoffs, um, but it would definitely give them a much better, you know, bowl game. So they beat Minnesota, that beat Penn State. I think they'd be pushed up pretty high. Next is going to be, um, oh, well, let me go ahead and say that I'm calling for Minnesota. I know I talked a lot about Iowa and how they could definitely upset Minnesota, but I'm going to call Iowa on this one. Oh, excuse me. I'm going to call Minnesota on this one, even though I talked highly about Iowa. Minnesota's on a Cinderella season. I think that if they win this game, um, you could put them into the at least seven, uh, whether at seven. I would say they'd probably stay at seven, if not go to five, uh, depending on what happens You know, this week. Oklahoma and Baylor. Um, Oklahoma... <laughs> You know, hasn't had the season they wanted. They obviously lost uh, earlier in the year and then, you know, barely pulled it out the other day, uh, the uh, previous Saturday. So, you know, I'm not biased against Oklahoma at all. Like I say, with barely beating Iowa State. Um, Hurts looks good. The offense looks good, and they looked unstoppable. That That's, you know, something that nobody can argue. Um, but I don't think they look as good as they did at the beginning of the season. Uh, as the season progressed, they slowly – became, you know, I, and I don't want to use that word. Let's just say their defense is is very, looking very suspicious. Their defense itself needs stronger playmakers. Uh, the linebacking core is, is not as good. They're not as deep on that end as well. And their quarterbacks, uh, excuse me, their cornerbacks are probably, you know, getting beat here and there, not only on the um, – on the left side, I remember last game they got beat on the left side a couple of times, and I honestly can't remember his name off the top of my head, and I didn't write it down, so you can look that up later. But, yeah, Oklahoma's secondary is suspicious. So I wonder what's going to happen if they even make it into the playoffs and they play some of these teams that, like, you know, Obama or Clemson, you know, or um, an LSU that can just throw the ball, you know, at their <laughs> – whenever they want to some of these uh, these high flyers, literally, that, that go up and, and pick it out of the air. Um, so a lot, of those, a lot of those guys will be playing on Sunday here soon, especially on LSU side. All right. 
so I think that does it for my picks. Um, well, I didn't pick that last game. So we're going to call that last game there. I'm going to say that uh, Baylor continues to stay undefeated. Um, their offense looks really good, and the defense you know, the defense looks really good as well. Um, so I really feel like Baylor's, Baylor's going to stay undefeated. They, they Honestly, they have to stay undefeated if they want to be in that playoff conversation. If not, they're going to be done done for the season for sure. They, they might make it to a New Year's Eve bowl, um, but that, that'd be it. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Now, remember to follow us on Spotify. We're now on Google Podcast as well. I'll post the links later on the Facebook, um, so make sure you're following us there. Also, Anchor allows you to leave voice messages if you want to um, leave a comment or a question. We will, of course, uh, next Saturday, uh, excuse me, Sunday, we will listen to your comments and that and go ahead and play them as far as uh, questions or comments. We'll answer them. Um, if we get 15 followers, I think we have nine now, we, um, we'll post a mini-episode and uh, we'll talk about the playoffs. We'll talk about some of the bowl games that are going to be going on. Um, and we'll go ahead and make some predictions as well when that goes. Um, until then, I'm your host, Scott Cobio, And I thank you again for listening. Uh, if, if you like this podcast, then go ahead and share it with your friends on social media. You can email questions or comments as well to cfjunkiepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks. We'll see you next time.